Artificial intelligence is one of those buzzwords that is underestimated and overrated at the same time. We experience the power of AI every day while interacting with Alexa, while writing emails, while getting a delivery from Amazon, or while planning a trip. Yet we are skeptic about its viability and fearful of AI replacing humans. Today, the focus of our discussion is to uncover some of the misalignments that impact sales productivity and demystify the role of AI in enabling sales. The question is, will AI replace sales professionals or will it empower them? Can artificial intelligence be used to automate, predict and supercharge the way they work or will it completely replace certain role in the sales cycle such as inside sales? Hey guys, this is your host Ashish Jain and welcome to the Alignment Podcast where we connect the dots between technology, business, sales and marketing to go beyond buzzwords. On our show, we have Rob Shal, CEO and co-founder of CN, an AI-powered tool that helps sales professionals be more productive and uncover areas of improvement. He's also a serial entrepreneur who has founded and sold many successful companies. Hi, Rob. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Ashish. I'm super happy to be on the Alignment Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, uh, like I said, our, our focus today is really to uncover a lot of you know misalignments and things that go within the sales organization. And sales is a foundation of a lot of businesses to go, so they, they can make or break the company. Uh, you can have a great product, but if you're not able to sell it, good luck, right? So sales productivity is at the forefront of any business. And I'm sure as an entrepreneur yourself who have sold and founded many companies, this must have been critical problem for you as well. So let's begin with the basics, right? So you have, like I said, you have hands-on experience in the field of working with sales quite directly. So I want to start with one question. What is the most underestimated impact of misalignment in sales that most companies completely ignore? What, According to you in your experience, what is that one aspect of the sales process where it's completely misaligned and businesses tend to ignore it? That's a great question, and and I'm I'm as as you're asking it, I'm thinking about a hundred different answers. But I'm going to start with the one that I always ask back to someone when they come up to me and talk about what am I doing, and I say I help sales team get to 100 percent quota, and then I ask them, in your opinion, what is the most important trait that of a great salesperson? That's that's how I always ask, start a conversation, and then. Answer is always, I mean, let me ask you, Ashish, what do you think is the most important trade? Well, I think the most important trade in, in, from my perspective is, is consistency. And what I've come to a realization in my life is all problems stem from the lack of alignment. And the lack of alignment in a very simple way to explain it is difference between what is expected and what is actually happening. So right. if you have a clear understanding and a maturity to understand what is expected, whether it's expected from someone else or whether it is expected by you yourself. And there's a difference in the outcome of how you're doing things. And if you can understand that clearly, you will continue to improve on it. Right. And, and how that could translate into a salesperson would be misalignment between a customer's needs and your solution. And sales, you call that the ability to do discovery and, and, and present the value proposition, communications skills. 
and and what what happens when I ask this question is that every single person gives me a different answer. Someone says you gotta have that killer instinct that really closes the deal. Another person says you know nothing beats hard work. If you're not you know really going out there and pushing it every single day, you're not gonna have success. A third person will say something like, no, no, the most important thing is effective listening skills. A fifth person will say something like, no, no. The most important thing is to truly understand the technical aspects of the product so you can explain it well. And I always come back to the same question. It is not, or like the same thing. I, when they say one thing, I mention one of the other ones. And they say, yeah, yeah, that's important too. So to answer your original question, what's the biggest misalignment? That is that there is a single thing that makes a great salesperson. And the, the, the truth of the matter is that you have to have a bunch of different skills at a minimum acceptable level. And when you reach that, you can get to quote unquote quota, you can have reasonable success. And if you're exceeding them across the board, then you will have outsized uh, results. And that's what people are not all often understanding. And therefore, they're trying to quote unquote clone their best rep or or do something like that. Every, every single person has their own strengths and weaknesses. And your job is not necessarily to expand the weak, uh, strengths even further, but to uh, mitigate the weaknesses that are preventing them from being successful. So that's a, that's a very interesting uh, way of looking at it, right? So, I mean, definitely, we're all different human beings. We all have different styles, way of working. And there are certain things that from a sales perspective, I'm picking on sales right now because the focus is sales, but be, be it any role, especially sales, right? There are certain things that are important that a salesperson should be doing. I mean, that's generally a perception, right? In terms of, hey, you should have a pipeline, you should be closing, you should be calling this many people, uh, you should be communicating regularly, you don't have a response time of more than 24 hours. If you're inside sales, your lead should not be falling through the cracks. There's whole sorts of things that, you know, people who are responsible to manage sales are looking at it. At the same time, what you are saying, what you just said is very, very interesting, is everyone will say what is important for sales and everyone will have a different response. That, that Right there itself, I see there's a misalignment in what, what an individual person you've hired values as the most important trait versus as a company what you value as the most important trait. So that, that actually makes me think, is there a misalignment in how you're hiring people or is there a misalignment in how you're executing? I think there's a misunderstanding how these traits add up, so to speak, because they don't add up. You don't say, first you need a, a portion of product knowledge, then you need a portion of work ethic, then you need a portion of closing ability, then you need a portion of this. It doesn't work like that. It is that they are multiplying with each other. And the second one of them goes close to zero, multiplication by zero yields zero, and then you don't have success. And what we're working on is, A, to measure uh, these, these different traits. And obviously, these are what we call intangible traits. They are not in your current KPIs. They are not in your current Salesforce reports. Uh, so the first thing is just to measure them. And then the second one is to understand what the impact of each one of them is. And what we're seeing over and over again is that the impact becomes, and, and again, I, I'm sorry if I'm getting mathematical and I'm, I'm kind of like a geek at heart, is that they are not linear. In other way, that they are, there's inflection points where all of a sudden, if you get past that particular point, 
you get much, much better results. And that's what we're seeing all the time when we're working with companies. They have reps that are struggling and almost inevitably there's one or two things that those people are doing that is significantly worse than their peers. And the same thing when we look at the, the top performers, they are not superstars. They are not the best of the best in every category, but they are consistently above the quote unquote average limit, right? Okay. So this this goes back to a point that, I mean, from any field, right? If you pick a sports team, they function very similarly. There's you have 10 people, 11 people, depending on what, what sport you pick, there's always going to be two or three people who perform better than others, right? And right. you're from Barcelona, so I have to bring a Messi here. Um, <laughs> um, yes. So, uh, I mean, definitely, I mean, Messi's, Messi makes mistakes as well. And uh, right. Messi's not good at every trade, but he consistently performs and, uh, and delivers results. That doesn't mean that others are not. Right. There, right. there are so many other, other, other factors that goes in, other maybe good and other things. But for that particular day of the game and for that particular game, he consistently performs. If we really want to make, let's say, Barca wants to make their stream even stronger, would they try to replicate some of the skills that Messi has in the rest of the teams? Or should they just try to empower the strength that other people have and give them an opportunity to make, become better at that? Well, the, the, the problem with trying to replicate Messi is that he's won in literally 7 billion. I mean, it's him and Ronaldo and like three other players are, are at the same level. They just don't exist. So trying to quote unquote replicate Messi is probably a full errand. But what will happen with us is that customers come to us and say somewhat similar to what you were saying. 80% of our revenue is coming from 20% of our reps. Those reps are not Messi's, but they are really good. And the, the, the challenge with, with uh, if you're a sales leader, if you have those, is that you probably have a bunch of people that are not producing. And again, we just talked about some of the reasons for that in a second. Also important to understand that as a sales leader, you are in some somewhat in control of your reps' results simply by doing things like territory assignment, lead distribution, and so forth. And this is something that most salespeople are underestimating what they're doing. Because when they're looking at their messes, so to speak, the two, three people, let's say that you have a company, we see this all the time, a company that has a million dollars of quota per rep. What we always find is that two, three people are doing three, four million each. So they're doing two or three times, even four times as well as the quote-unquote average rep. But when we're looking at those, those reps, their value, the value that they receive in leads, accounts, territories, opportunities, you name it, depending on how the sales structure is set up, is much, much higher than the rest. So those reps are never bad. They don't have these weak areas we talked about before. They have already eliminated those, but they're also given a lot more than the rest of them. And those two factors together give them that outsized results. So Messi, again, you know, and I, 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 I'm in Barcelona, so it's fun. But I'm also, you know, lived in Miami, right? If it was easy to just clone your best uh, person, you would have closed, you know, Miami would have closed LeBron before he left, right? And we would have just continued to win the, the playoffs. And, and that didn't happen. So what you have to focus on instead, if you're a sales leader, is to understand, are you providing a fair playing field? And if not, you will probably have these 80-20 rules we just talked about. And two, are you mitigating for these people that are, have the, the weak areas that are giving you the, the long tail of very low results? And can you, 
you know, either manage up or manage out those reps, right? That's interesting. Sales is a very personalized tool, right? In terms of, you know, it's all about relationships. It's all about the people you have contacts. I mean, there's definitely skills involved in it, a lot of them actually. And so many factors, like you said, you know, what territory you're going in, what have been, what you've been assigned, how much you, you know, the nature of the people you're interacting with, the, the sales cycles and all of that, that, all of that, all of that matters. From your experience in working with, you know, in companies you've founded yourself, as well as in so many other companies you work with, what are some of the repeatable problems that you see? I mean, from time over time that, hey, no matter what you, where you go, this is a classic problem in every sales team. Well, I started CN, as I just said, I'm, I'm kind of a geek. My first couple of companies, I was the CDO. And then for the last 10 plus years, I've been the CEO of the businesses we've been starting. And the, the problem that I've seen every single time is as you scale the team, the productivity, you know, the output per per rep or per hour worked or whatever keeps going down. And, and it happens almost always. And it's a huge problem. SaaS businesses today are extremely highly valued, at least until this week's market crash, right? And it is because you're creating this recurring revenue stream that can in theory run forever for each customer, right? And you're only acquiring the customer once. But because it's something that is so valuable, companies throw so much cash at the customer acquisition process. And as you do that, the efficiency of that process keeps going down and down. And it happened to me in my last company, went from two to hundred sales reps. And in my quote unquote numbers head, I figured we would get 50 times as much sales. And of course we didn't. And out of frustration, not being able to explain the reasons why the new reps that were onboarding were not succeeding when we had had success prior, that's where CN uh, came out. And the idea was that we could measure these intangible factors and we could measure the value of territories and leads and so forth. And with those two pieces, we call these things intangible factors and we call this value chain. With those two things, you could all of a sudden explain sales in a whole new way. Because when you're saying it's all about the, the mystics, the relationships, the, the, the special things, I say, no, it's all possible to break down into smaller, much more understandable components. It's just that you can't do it using the usual spreadsheet models, but you have to use stuff like artificial intelligence to do it. Okay, so that's that's a good transition here. We've talked about you know what is going on in the sales team. But by the way, thanks for that, that, that statement there that you scale the team and the output goes down. And... And I think that is the case with, I'm sure you'll agree, that's the case with every team. It's not just sales team. Sales just becomes more evident because everyone is watching and monitoring them. Yeah. Um, I've experienced this in in marketing teams. I've experienced this in R&D teams. I've experienced this in support teams. I'm not sure if it's the fact that of just too many people working and bringing different personalities or it's more people does not result into a similar multiplication of the output that is that is uh, of course that comes back to the you know amazon two pizza teams and so forth but there are other aspects to it especially when you need a lot of collaboration that makes larger team less efficient right so let's let's go back to this artificial intelligence right so ai as you know a lot of people understand ai from a perspective of you know it's a, it's a smart 
machine learning way of reading information and trying to figure out patterns what are going on. I mean, this is right on the money here in terms of how you can use a technology like that and in extracting information. But at the same time, I mean, AI is also dependent on the kind of data you have. If you're not already tracking the, the challenges in what is going on at the sales team or whatever else other team you're, you're trying to monitor, how can you, is AI really valuable when it comes to, you know, we don't have that information. If you're asking, um, here's another way our customers are saying it. I'm going to be super blunt. Our data is crap. Can you still help us? And the answer is, in, in most cases, yes. Because we use AI to fix your crappy data and then make it more consistent. Because what people consider crap data are duplicate accounts, are inconsistent entries into the same form fields that it's, you know, changes in methodology where you used to do it one way, but now you're doing it another way, is the fact that they know that some of their reps are not updating their the CRM in a consistent basis as they should be, et cetera, et cetera. All of those things are going on in every single sales team in the country right now. And they are usually big impediments to get meaningful analytics out of the CRM system that they have. And the sales ops teams around the country are always struggling with this stuff and being told that their reports are not meaningful because they are not able to compensate for that. What we are doing is essentially saying, this is a problem of pattern matching. And what is better for solving pattern matching than AI? So essentially we're using AI to fix the bad data so that it becomes better data never becomes 100% perfect, but it's fine. You can still make much, a lot of meaningful inferences out of it. And then we're using that much enhanced data to make predictions of what's going to happen and, and try to assess these intangible factors, understand the, the quality of leads and the value of them and so forth. So it is a multi-step process. And if, if we hadn't done that, our, our analysis would be pretty much useless. But because we spent a lot of time understanding how data is bad, in all the myriads of ways it can be bad and then mitigate that, we can solve a lot of those problems. So this is actually a very interesting way of saying, okay, you're kind of highlighting and spotlighting the problem statements for them, right? Where they, where your where your problems are. And as I said earlier, I, I work with a lot of salespeople and the product marketing people. And a lot of time what I do end up doing, I'm not using AI, I'm using my my, it's actually AI it's because it's because Ashish's intelligence. Yeah, uh, and it's you know it's smarter. <laughs> just to be honest about AI, Ashish intelligence is ten times or hundred times or whatever times smarter than any AI that's on the market today. The only difference is that AI can do this stuff for every single record in five seconds, whereas Ashish has to spend five weeks on it, right? And uh, and will in many cases not be able to capture every single aspect of it. That's true. That's that's very true. I, I do actually take more time than five seconds to analyze. But <laughs> the, point I was, the point I was trying to get to is today we're using methodologies where we look at, you know, the problems and alignment with within the product marketing, within the sales, within different organizations. We kind of work backwards to do that and say, OK, what do we need to do to fix your go to market strategy? What do we need to do to do this? But my my general observation is, you know, I can do all the job for you. I can give you all the recommendations, but at the end of the day, you have to execute on it. Right. If you just sit on it, fine, and a lot of times they say, okay, we already knew this, and say, yeah, but, you know, here's your proof that this is actually happening. 
what action do you take? Have you, in your experience, have you seen once, you know, you're providing that kind of a visibility, are people actually able to take action and, and make a difference? Absolutely. And the beautiful thing, again, we were comparing, you know, Ashish intelligence versus like, you know, general AI. The beautiful thing about AI is that it can be run every single day. You can run the same algorithm, every single model, every single day to assess what has changed since yesterday. And when you're highlighting these specific issues that are going on, we talked about them before, right? And people take action. Not only are you able to kind of see what you should do, you can also see the progress that you're making. And the way we are doing this stuff, we have this concept called hidden revenue. So if you have a team that is doing $10 million of, of bookings in a year, for example, what we typically find is between 20 and 40%, so between 2 and 3 and $4 million of hidden revenue. These are, these are not the, the revenue that you're missing because your team is not messy, because we just talked about messy. Everybody cannot be messy, right? But it's a, the, the things that are where, where one person should be operating at a, a particular level on one of these categories we talked about before. Perhaps he does not know the, the product well enough. So he's significantly below that. And therefore, he's losing out a lot of sales opportunities because of that. You bring him up to, not to mess level, just to the same level as everybody else. That's what we call hidden revenue. So what we have found is that if you have this hidden revenue, a portion of that, teams fix themselves because people figure out stuff on their own, right? Maybe they fix 20% of these problems on their own. So they can, they, every, every, every time a problem pops up, some of it gets mitigated automatically through whatever's going on. What we're able to help people with is to say, 20% is not good enough. Let me bring it up to 30%, 40%, 50%. And, and that adds up to a lot of dollars. And it also gives you that, quote unquote, satisfaction of seeing progress on your, on your initiatives. And that is something that as a consultant or as a leader, you're always frustrated with. You know what you want to do. You tell everybody that you're doing it. And you kind of have a feeling that things are, are getting better. And hopefully at the end of the day, you can see, you know, better results. But the re- better results are not directly attributed back to the initiatives that you have. We're changing that. And we are able to track every single one of these measurements separately because it's being measured on a daily basis using the same consistent measurements, right? All right. I think the... Thanks for that summary. And I think the verdict at the end of the day, what I'm hearing from you is AI will uh, not replace sales professionals, but rather it will actually empower empower them. Exactly. You know, what's what's your role as a sales professional today? It is to be able to understand your customer's problem, propose a solution, and understand what, if anything, would prevent the customer from seeing value in that solution. All of those things are not possible to solve for AI today. But what you can do is to understand where you're falling short. Perhaps you're missing out on following up on, on specific accounts that you should have followed up on. Perhaps you're spending too much time on one activity and you should be spending less time on that versus something else. Perhaps there are deficiencies in the way you're communicating that is different from, from your peers, et cetera, et cetera, right? And, and what we're helping people do is to essentially, as we say, get people to quota because they all, like if you're not at quota, there's got to be something that's wrong. And if you understand what that one or two things are, then you can improve it as opposed to, oh, I just don't know how to sell, which is not the case, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and 
I think this is uh, this is a great summary, uh, Rob, and I thank you so much for your time. This is definitely a really nice way of wrapping up and saying how AI can actually help versus getting fearful about it. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get on your on your uh, podcast, and uh, hope to to talk to you soon. So here you have it, guys practical real-world examples of how to leverage artificial intelligence to improve sales productivity. Understanding where to focus and identify the misalignment gaps is essential for everyone to do our job well. For sales growth, it is in fact mission critical. AI has the power to uncover intangible gaps and provide the needed direction to the sales leaders. Rob, thank you for sharing your valuable insights with our listeners. Our entire aim with the Alignment Podcast is to make technology real for common people, and I think our conversation just did that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us next time for another great conversation. Meanwhile, don't forget to subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform and do share your thoughts on this week's episode. You can reach out to me on ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on LinkedIn. Till then, adios.